Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the show. We appreciate you. We sure do. And we thank you so much for coming back every single day. Oh, yeah, that's right. And coming up on the show, we got a lot of juicy stuff, including the truth behind those claims of a space alien friendship with Israel and the U.S. This story has gone viral and we're going to be debunking the entire thing. That's the juicy story that you wanted to go with? Oh, that and Lori Laughlin's daughter speaking out on Thank the Red you. Table Talk. Thank you. Come on, that's coming in the T-Report. So it stick is. around for that. Mm-hmm. But let's get into some what's trending this hour right now. Republican... Texas Senator Ted Cruz says that he will present the oral argument if the Supreme Court of the U.S. takes up a lawsuit seeking to overturn Pennsylvania's 2020 presidential election result. Now, President Trump's representation is arguing that the state's certification of votes should be voided. And it's a case that has already been rejected by Pennsylvania's Supreme Court. So, yeah, he's vying for that gig. He wants to speak up and let them know what he thinks. Meanwhile, Fox Business host Lou Dobbs yelled at Trump senior advisor Stephen Miller because of the White House uh, not jumping on Senator Ted Cruz's offer. Here's that awkward moment. Uh, the reality is that this president right now is fighting, and let's be straightforward about it. He's fighting all alone. And Ted Cruz has stepped up to say he'll argue before the Supreme Court. Why on God's green earth wouldn't the White House jump on it? Why shouldn't they accept and, and, that right now? And I'll just say this one other thing, though. If three state legislatures, I just outlined, one correction in no, Wisconsin. No, no, Stephen, I won't let you say I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that. I ask a question. You and I, we're reasonably smart and decent fellows. Why don't you answer me? That's all I'm asking here, Stephen. Why don't you guys jump and salute Ted Cruz and say, yes, we want you on the team now. I don't know. Maybe uh, because that wouldn't help their non-case. Just saying, you know, bringing uh, Cruz on board as like the hero here. I mean, who cares about the Zodiac killer? Moving on, Texas Republican Attorney General Ken Paxton filed a lawsuit today in the U.S. Supreme Court to invalidate presidential election results in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Michigan. The lawsuit asserts that, quote, unlawful election results in those four states, uh, which President-elect Joe Biden won, should be declared unconstitutional. The filing argues that those states use the coronavirus pandemic as an excuse to unlawfully change their election rules. Experts in election law were quick, though, to dismiss the likelihood of the nine Supreme Court justices taking the case. Wow, they can't get enough of those Republicans of this. They really, they're just keeping this going. 
Now, the FDA is backing Pfizer's bid for emergency use of its coronavirus vaccine, saying that the shot showed a favorable safety profile with no specific safety concerns. The briefing documents explain that patients' immune response to the vaccine kicks in quickly after the first dose, with roughly 88% efficacy against severe COVID-19 in the week afterwards. The second of two doses bumps efficacy to more than 95% and gives what is expected to be longer-lasting immunity. And we actually have Dr. Michael Sag, our infectious disease expert, joining us to talk more about that later this hour. Uh, But let's get into some top stories and entertainment news. What's the tea, Ryan? All right, so let's dive right into the tea report, those pop culture stories that are trending right now. And um, why is AOC getting trolled by the Goya CEO? Let's uh, let's talk about this because it's kind of annoying. So Representative Mm -hmm. AOC was named Goya Foods Employee of the Month by the company's CEO, Robert Unanue, after her call to boycott the company apparently led to an unprecedented increase in sales. So let's go back to the beginning. In July, mm-hmm. Ocasio-Cortez criticized Yunnan Wei for praising President Trump at a White House event where Yunnan Wei said the U.S. was truly blessed to have a leader and builder as president. So the company also bills itself as the largest Hispanic-owned food company in the country. And they, of course, face so much backlash and boycotts. So this guy was on a podcast and said, when she boycotted us, our sales actually increased a thousand percent. So we gave her an honorary. We never were able to hand it to her, but Mm. she got employee of the month for bringing attention to Goya and Ardobo. I mean, how annoying. Do you not have anything else to do, sir? Uh, Yeah, it seems like he's enjoying dragging her because she's enjoying dragging him. But yeah, it's a lot. It's like, let's just stop the drama, stop the childishness and just like move (laughs) on. You're the CEO of a major company. Come on. Yeah, but I think when you play the games that Trump plays and you're trying to buddy-buddy up with him, and I think everyone is still going to try to kiss his behind because they think he's going to probably run in 2024. So we may see this still. This isn't going anywhere just because we got Biden in the president. You know, people are most definitely, especially men, are threatened by strong women like AOC and the squad. So I get it. I I see what he's doing. It's a smart D-word move, Mm -hmm. but... You know, yeah, it's D word. So I, I, it's not surprising if you're like, yo, let's get back at her. <laughs> you know, like that moment. Oh, God. Okay. Well, that's your T report. And that's all I got for you until next hour. All right. Well, coming up on the show, how the Trump administration's latest hit on environmental standards does not regulate a deadly air pollutant. More on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Trump administration rejected setting tougher standards on suit, which is the nation's most widespread deadly air pollutant. They're saying the existing regulations are enough, even though some public health experts and environmentalists have begged for stricter laws. Back with us is national affairs correspondent from The Washington Post, Juliet Alprin. Thanks for being here. Thanks. So let's back up. What is the Environmental Protection Agency responsible for who is making all these decisions? Well, the EPA is is basically responsible for setting most of the most important air and water standards across the country. So they have huge authority to kind of say what what kind of air quality and water quality we should have, among other things. And then they have the power to compel industries and other operators to take action to make sure that Americans are healthy and protected. 
So what are the current standards and why were these new ones that Trump rejected considered tougher? What does that mean? So we have to get a little wonky for a minute. We're, okay. we're talking about fine particle pollution, which okay. is not too exciting, I know, um, but, it, it, but it matters. Mm-hmm. And essentially, this, these are these extremely fine particles that come out of smokestacks and power plants and exhaust out of your car and, and a whole range of other, you know, other things. And, and why they matter is because they are so tiny, they can slip into your lungs and bloodstream and cause lung disease and heart disease. And essentially, they lead to Americans dying. It's one, it is, it is, as you mentioned, one of the deadliest pollutants that we, we know that, it, you know, is present across the United States. So what happened is there's been a lot of fighting over how strict you should make this standard over time. And back in December of 2012, the Obama administration tightened these standards for by about 20%. And they said that in your average annual air quality, when you're looking at the concentration of, of these fine particles, it should be no more than 12 micrograms per cubic meter of air. Ooh. On any daily basis, it shouldn't be higher than 35 micrograms per cubic meter. And by the way, that standard has been the standard for almost 15 years, going back to 2016. So there is mounting evidence that you could save thousands, potentially tens of thousands of lives each year if you actually tighten these standards and you say, said on an annual basis, the pollution couldn't be more than say somewhere between eight and 10 micrograms per cubic meter. And the Trump administration rejected that idea um, and said, no, we're going to keep the standards the way they are. These standards typically last about five years. Essentially, almost the entire country is in compliance right now. And it means that very few places across this country will have to do much to clean up the air. Wow. Again, we're talking to national affairs correspondent Julia Alprin from The Washington Post. What is going on? Like, what are they not seeing when when we're talking about saving tens of thousands of lives, possibly, how does that not make them want to take action to change these things? You know, there are trade-offs whenever you, for example, impose stricter environmental standards. And so if if they had, for example, t- tightened those standards, it would have meant that it could potentially curb industrial activity. One thing that's very telling, for example, is that the head of the EPA right now, Andrew Wheeler, held a virtual press conference yesterday with top officials from West Virginia. And they indicated that this was a great move for West Virginia because after decades, it had met national air standards. And if they had tightened it, it would have been very bad for the coal industry in West Virginia. And they so they said this was a way you could kind of reach, Mm. you know, an outcome that people could agree on that would to some extent, protect public health, but it wouldn't hurt industry. So that's really what the issue is. It's a money thing, right? And I guess if you're a black or brown person living in these conditions and you get infected with COVID-19, what happens to you then? Is it over? How does that impact you? This is a great point. And so one of the things is there again, in terms of this, what kind of we're seeing in the scientific studies is that there are certainly indications that in terms of the scientific literature that communities of color, low-income communities, it's incontrovertible. They're exposed to more air pollution. This makes them more vulnerable to respiratory diseases. And there seems to be significant evidence that this is one of, you know, that this could lead to higher incidence of COVID-19. And in fact, 
we in our we unearthed some documents which we included in the story that we ran where we showed how the environmental protection agency kind of dismissed concerns that were raised earlier in previous air rules where other administration officials were raising this point shouldn't we take into account what we're seeing about covid-19 the administrator was asked about this and his argument was well these studies are very new they haven't been through the same level of peer review and we're going to worry about that in the next set of standards that you know will will happen in a few years all right that was national affairs correspondent from the washington post julia alprin thank you so much for being here oh it's a real pleasure now coming up on the show how often will we need to be vaccinated against covid-19 we've got those answers next Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. As both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines hit the U.S., many are continuing to ask who will get it first and how often will we need to be vaccinated for it to work. Back with us is infectious diseases expert, Dr. Michael Sag. Thanks for joining us today. Good to be back with you. So uh, I feel like we've talked about the who will get it first. I mean, it's frontline workers. It's those who are vulnerable. Uh, I'm going to be last. I guess I'll be like stuck in my in my room forever. Ryan, you could be in the studio. Thank God. For me. By but myself. Is there anything new in terms of uh, on that front? Yeah, the CDC and the, the formal group that recommends how vaccines are given have issued very clear guidance, fortunately, that help us. So here's, here's how it breaks down. And the first wave, it's healthcare workers who are working at, in major ex- areas of exposure, hospitals, clinics that are seeing a lot of COVID patients. Then it goes to others like EMS and folks who are laying their lives on the line, taking care of people. And then it starts to go into the more vulnerable, older population, such as those at nursing homes. That'll be the first month to first month and a half. And then it broadens out and more and more people will be included in in the net of who would be eligible. But it's going to be very organized and the distribution is starting perhaps as early as this end of this week or first part of next week. So I guess the interesting question, obviously, that we're asking here is how often we'll we'll need to be kind of vaccinated against this virus? Um, Because it doesn't really seem like it's a one size fits all. So what are some of the factors that play into this when it comes to this question? Well, the answer isn't 100% known yet, but here's what we do know. The initial vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna, require two injections, and they have to be given about 28 days apart. That's a good rule of thumb. So within a month. And it's very important that if you sign up for the vaccine, that you get your second injection. Why? Because that really digs your immune system in so that it will be the most protective that it can be. There are some data that maybe one dose is enough, but I wouldn't rely on that. We're talking about a deadly disease and we want to prevent it. The other thing is that when you get that first dose, going back for the second dose, is essential because you're taking up a slot. And if you volunteer to get this thing, well, then get it done the right way. What we're hoping is that within the first six months of this rollout, we will start gathering evidence from the clinical trials. And that will start answering your question, Ryan, of who will be protected for how long. Mm -hmm. And my best guess, it'll probably be about a year, I think we'll see protection. Um, And then we can, you know, dosing it, uh, once a year for a couple of years while this epidemic burns out, I think is something we can all put up with. Again, you're hearing from Dr. Michael Sag right now. What do you have to say to those who are worried about getting vaccinated, who have been outspoken about how they are against it right now? Well, I'm sympathetic to what they're saying. I hear them. Um, 
But I have to say that this is, this is our rescue. This isn't a hypothetical that we one day might have a coronavirus pandemic and stand up now and get your vaccine for a possible threat. We are under siege at this exact moment. In Alabama, for example, we had more people die the first five days of this month than died in the first four months of the epidemic. That's how bad it's getting. Our hospitals are overrun. We need this vaccine. This is a godsend, actually. And if we're going to go back to Greek tragedy, this is our deus ex machina. This is the gods coming in and rescuing the protagonist. Because stop for a second and imagine the world in our country right now as if all the vaccines failed. Then what? Right. We're headed into such troubled waters over the next six weeks, even with the vaccine, for God's sake. So, yes, we need it desperately. And the safety is pretty robust. I just downloaded the entire presentation to the FDA that Pfizer's giving, and it's very safe as far as vaccines go. You know, could we expect to see different versions of the vaccine come out? Like as we learn more about the virus and it evolves, is that going to be changing? I think what we're going to see, Ron, is that we'll have Uh, these different vaccines, the Moderna, the Pfizer, later maybe AstraZeneca, J&J's vaccine, other companies are coming out. And that's all good. By the way, make sure when you get two doses that you're getting the same same flavor, right? You don't want want vanilla and strawberry, right? (laughs) So you want to make sure you get the two. But but to to get to your point, I don't think this is going to mutate like the flu did. So we are going to have to get different vaccines. I think they'll continue to work for us as we move forward. All right. That's good to know. You wrote something recently in uh, the local Alabama press in the newspaper there, uh, how we're in the red zone right now. What do you want to share about that? Well, in football terms, the red zone is when the team is attacking you and they're within 20 yards of scoring. And we have not put up much of a defense as a society, at least in the United States, against this virus. And now our backs is to the wall. We have to really buckle down, especially for the next four weeks. Everyone wear a mask. Everyone avoid crowds. And I'm talking more than five to six people. Everyone should keep distance when they're out. And frankly, what I would say right now, for the next four to six weeks, stay at home. This is the time to really hunker down. I know holidays are coming. This holiday will not be a happy one. I'm sorry, but we're dealing with a pandemic that's taking so many lives right now. We're just overwhelmed and our hospitals are are really full. So we have to work together to get that done. All right. That was Dr. Michael Sag. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Now coming up, why this TikTok user is shaming corporations for destroying perfectly good stuff. We're getting into that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. All right, so we are back, and I got to tell you all what Channel Q is doing for Christmas. So Channel Q presents Pop Goes Christmas. It is our holiday music special with music performances from pop diva Ava Max, Why Don't We, and, of course, special guest appearances and interviews with Sam Smith, Miley Cyrus, Shawn Mendes, BB Rexa, and, of course, my queen, Dua. Now, here's the thing. It's all happening Sunday, December 20th at 
5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can listen right here on your favorite Channel Q station. Simply just download the Radio.com app or ask your smart speaker to play Channel Q. It's honestly that easy. So can you ask for anything else for Christmas? I mean, honestly, this is perfect. Channel Q presents Pop Goes Christmas. That is Sunday, December 20th, 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern. Love it for Christmas or Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Sure, it's Christmas. (laughs) All right, let's get into this story. So last month, anti-waste enthusiast Anna Sachs, she's also known as the trash talker. She's taking your job, Ryan, but in a different way. Uh, She said this to her 17,000 Instagram followers, uploading a post uh, that included the hashtag retail made me, sharing times her employer had forced her to destroy or dispose of perfectly usable items. And she encouraged others to share their stories too. So here was her experience that sparked it all. Have you ever worked for a corporation that made you destroy usable items that could otherwise be donated? Maybe you worked at Victoria's Secret and you had to cut up bras because they're smelly. Maybe you work for Hallmark and you had to slash through tissue paper and unsold cards after a holiday. So she's bringing up really important things because there's a huge waste that comes from these corporations and retailers that throw so much away. And even she had started this petition two years ago that has gotten a ton of signatures urging retail giant CVS to donate unwanted products instead of throwing them away. Uh, What do you think about this, Ryan? I mean, you've You've worked retail, haven't you? I have worked retail. I've worked at Old Navy. That was back Mm -hmm. in the day, but I only lasted a week because they were like, you can't work through the holidays. So I quit. Um, And uh, basically, I used to work at Panera Bread, though. This is interesting because let's look at Mm -hmm. this from a food perspective. So I worked at Panera Bread and every night, whatever, if if it was pastries, loaves um, of bread, bagels, literally we had to toss out and sometimes would have customers who were literally there last minute it and um, they were eating and they would see us like kind of gathering these items to throw away and I remember one lady was like hey what are y'all doing with all of this Um, can I take it and then I can just drop it off at a homeless shelter or something literally I was not allowed to do it because it's against the policy which sucks because so much food goes unused and it's just like where's all this happening Where's where's all this going and it's literally going in the trash can in the back of the store which is awful it, it really is. And I know there are organizations that are trying to make a difference. Uh, there are some food delivery services. I forget which ones. So I don't want to like call out one and give them attention like they're doing something great when they're not. Uh, but that are adding this to their service. So they're saying like, we will stop by and pick up your leftovers, right? And drop it off at uh, different charities or kitchens, food kitchens and everything like that. Yeah, hopefully that inspired you today. Think about, you know, what you're using or throwing out or destroying and how you can upcycle it or recycle it. And also holds uh, the companies that you're purchasing stuff from accountable to. Now coming up, breaking news around the Supreme Court and their response to Pennsylvania's 2020 presidential election results. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Coming up on the show, an ex-Israeli space employee has said aliens are in hiding until mankind is ready. And we've got the Skeptoid podcast joining us today to break down the truth behind those claims. Yep. Plus, Ellen DeGeneres' very own social media sidekick, Kaylin Allen, is joining us with some new music from his holiday album. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait for that. But first, we got to talk about how Channel Q is teaming up with Los Angeles Unified School District to help families most in need this holiday season. 
Text GIVER to 76278 to donate to the LA Students Most in Need Fund. No amount is too small. This week, the first $5,000 in donation is matched by Aspiration.com. Leave your bank, save the planet. Love that. Okay, let's get into some what's trending this hour right now. President Trump was asked by a reporter today why the White House is holding in-person parties in violation of CDC guidance. Here's what he had to say. Well, they're Christmas parties, and uh, frankly, we've reduced the number very substantially, as you know. And I see a lot of people at the parties wearing masks. I mean, I I would say that uh, I look out at the audience at those parties, and we have a lot of people wearing masks, and I think that's a good thing. Okay. All right. Trump and the holidays. Uh, Now, he also signed an executive order today that he said gives Americans first priority for coronavirus vaccines produced in the U.S. and said he'd invoke the Defense Production Act if more were needed. Now, the country's states have designated over 50,000 sites that will receive the vaccine, he said, which will be provided free of cost to Americans. Trump said his executive order would ensure that American citizens have first priority to receive American vaccines. And then we're going to be working with other countries all over the world, he said. Uh, And I think, and this is a quote, we'll be able to start doing that almost immediately, also because we have millions of doses coming in. And he said that those remarks during uh, an Operation Warp Speed vaccine summit. He also appeared to push back against a report that came out yesterday that said he passed on a chance over the summer to secure additional supplies of the Pfizer vaccine. (laughs) Yep. Now, earlier today, we talked about how Senator Ted Cruz wanted to present the oral arguments at the Supreme Court if they took up the lawsuit seeking to overturn Pennsylvania's 2020 presidential election result. Well, guess what? The Supreme Court has spoken. They have rejected that request today. So it's not happening. And uh, there goes that. And obviously a huge blow to Trump and his continued case around election fraud. Now, President-elect Joe Biden defended his decision today to nominate retired four-star Army General Lloyd Austin to be his Secretary of Defense, despite the law requiring nominees to have been out of the military for at least seven years. Biden wrote this in The Atlantic that Austin, quote, knows that the Secretary of Defense has a different set of responsibilities than a general officer. And the civil military dynamic has been under great stress these past four years. Now, if confirmed by the Senate, Austin would be the first black leader of the Pentagon, breaking one of the more enduring glass ceilings in the U.S. government. Yes. Now, this is a rule that should be broken. I like this, and I feel like Joe Biden is making great decisions and knows who is best for the position. So why not? Who cares? Yep. All right. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right. Let's dive into the T-Report, those pop culture stories that are trending right now. And guess what, honey? There is a new queen of social media in town, and her name is the legendary Dionne Warwick. But is she actually the one behind those hilarious tweets that we're all dying over? Um, here we go. She did a fun interview with Andy Cohen yesterday where she revealed who's actually behind her viral Twitter account. My my niece, uh, Brittany, is a hysterical person. She's funny as all get out. I told her she should have been a comedian. There's a wonderful way with words. And yeah. um, my PR people also feel that they, they can put a little few things in there for me. So now, because Shira, I feel like I know you don't follow Dionne Warwick, so if you're late to the party. I've been seeing her stuff, though. I've been seeing, this is like, I've been seeing this around this week. Mm -hmm. I've got my ear to the ground. Yeah. Social media ground. Yeah, for sure. Now, if anyone else is late to the party, including Shira, 
Dion has been going viral for her interactions with Chance the Rapper, Taylor Swift, and The Weeknd. Now, I don't care who's running the account as long as they keep doing what they're doing. It is so good. It is really cool to see someone who's older, 80, turning 80, and such an icon do such cool stuff. I mean, yeah, whoever's doing this, it, well, it could be some of her, could be someone else. They're doing something right. Well, sure. It's not like when you're 80, you lose your humor. She's unnaturally funny. If you watch yeah. old Dionne Warwick clips or just of her recently, she has a great sense of humor. And so I, I'm not shocked. It's a little bit of both. It's her, it's her, it's her niece. It's also her. So it's, it's hilarious. I, I think it should continue to go on because her niece is slaying and I hope she's getting paid for it. And that is your team report. I got more coming up next. And yeah, that was one of those things like at Thanksgiving, like, Hey, auntie, can you just like, you know, let me take over your Twitter account. It'll be amazing. They just decide to do it. Something funny like that happened. Isn't it nice to have a famous family? All <laughs> right. Coming up on the show, uh, as we mentioned, uh, it's been talked about that aliens aren't hiding until mankind is ready. What's the truth behind these claims that came from this ex-Israeli space head? We're diving in next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. So this news story broke yesterday. According to 87-year-old Haim Eshed, who helmed Israel's space security program from 1981 to 2010, he told this Jewish press platform or publisher that there's an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens, that they signed a contract with us to do experiments here. They are researching and trying to understand the whole fabric of the universe, and they want us as helpers, but they're waiting to reveal themselves because we might not be ready for it. I mean, we're barely uh, handling 2020. Well, I don't know if we can handle aliens. <laughs> so joining us to debunk all of this from the Skeptoid podcast, Brian Dunning, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me again. It's great to be here as always. All right. So you follow these types of stories and you Unfortunately, cover this on your I do. <laughs> podcast. What did you think about this one? So, I mean, this kind of broke in the news like it's a big deal. Like, oh, he's a high-ranking Israeli intelligence official. And for him to be saying this, well, it, it must have some, uh, some pretty good meaning behind it. I'd never heard of this guy, though. So I had to, I had to go digging into the Hebrew language literature, which is, which is hard for me to do. I, I don't read or write the language. Um, so I was just having to do, you know, machine translated web pages, <laughs> basically. Is. And it turns out that this guy has, he's just, he's, I mean, he's, re he's long retired. He's been retired for 10 years. He hasn't mm -hmm. had anything to do with their satellite launching program for a long time. And in his retirement, apparently he's just been a UFO enthusiast. He's spoken at UFO conferences. Um, the reason this, this press thing came out uh, these last couple of days is because um, a very prominent UFO author has written a new book in which he interviews um, this guy. And so that's kind of it, all of these news reports are just PR for this new UFO book. Yeah. You know, I love talking about UFOs. Like, I think it's very interesting. I love the idea of, you know, us not being the only folks in the universe or whatever, the infinite universe. I think it's interesting. Um, sure. But how do we intelligently have these conversations where it doesn't really seem like, oh, just the next crazy person is just rambling off mumbo jumbo? You make a really good point, because if you want to stick to, OK, what do we know? What's empirical? What can we say about aliens? So far, zero. You know, we don't appear to have been visited by them. Our understanding of physics is that interstellar travel is going to be impossible for all practical purposes for probably forever. Um, 
you know, communication is going to be by radio and stuff like that, not by people actually traveling from place to place because you simply can't do that. Um, and so far, we don't have any evidence of even radio communication with any alien civilizations. Astronomers, physicists, cosmologists, what have you, I think most of them are in agreement that there's probably life throughout the universe. Mm -hmm. But the problems of distance and time make it really unlikely that we're going to um, ever have any meaningful uh, communications with any other civilizations. Nevertheless, as we've got in the news with this guy today, there's a whole subculture here on Earth of people who, you know, don't accept that because it, it, it doesn't confirm their preferred worldview, mm -hmm. which is that aliens live among us and the governments are all covering it up. And so this guy is just part of this, uh, this community who believe that and are, you know, constantly trying to get their perspective uh, coverage in the press. Yeah, again, you're hearing from Brian Dunning from the Skeptoid podcast. You're saying that, and I do agree, there are a lot of these groups out there, underground, overground, everywhere. Uh, but this guy worked for the government. I mean, I feel like when you start having people talking from the government, you start saying, okay, maybe there's something here. I mean, he said one of the hubs of the cooperation is a base on Mars where he says American astronauts have already set foot. So, like, I agree. This seems very outlandish, but it feels like he has some sort of credibility to him. And there's been others from even the American government who said that this is something that is being hidden. Okay, what well, let me address that? that right off. What he's been telling the news is that um, this is secret and it, it can't be revealed. And President Trump was told by the aliens that he's not allowed to reveal anything. Nevertheless, this guy's been talking freely about it publicly for years. He talked to the press all about it. He's, he's in this new book talking all about it. Is that how it would actually be if he actually had any real knowledge? Of course not. And keep in mind, he was an engineer. He was not a policymaker. Um, his involvement in government was, you know, in, in, as an engineer. Um, he didn't have access to secrets or anything like this. So, you know, it, it sounds like just, just by pointing out, oh, we work for the government, that's how you add credibility to a, to a news story when there's really not that much there to talk about. And that's kind of what the reporters have tried to do with the, in this case. And all you have to do is say Trump. I mean, he's a part of government, but that doesn't mean he's credible. Um, I think what's interesting is kind of going back to your comment that you made earlier about how people, if it doesn't fit into their worldviews, right? Um, when it comes to stories like this, how dangerous is it for if people just automatically believe it and think that's kind of the way it is? It feels like that can get the floodgates going in the snowball effect, right? Like it just is, it can just be often dangerous to kind of have this misinformation or dis like out there just kind of conspiracy in the way like I very much i mean you take one strange belief by itself and it doesn't it doesn't really matter uh this guy believes that aliens live on mars uh grandma thinks her little poodle is psychic you know an individual thing like this it doesn't really do any harm to anyone but it's part of a thought process that expands to other parts of their life and they start making important life decisions based on bad information and bad beliefs so we really do want to kind of nip this, the, these errors in thought processing because we don't want this to expand into, you know, COVID misinformation, for one thing. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why we got you on the show. Thank you so much, Brian Dunnings, host of the Skeptoid Podcast, for joining us. Thank you very much. Although my grandma's psychic dog will not be happy with you. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Coming up on the show, how President-elect Joe Biden could issue a federal mask mandate, how that would actually work, plus an infectious diseases expert's message for the anti-vaxxers out there.
that is coming up on the show in this hour. But right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour. We've got a lot of clips to play today. A lot is being talked about. Now, Joe Biden spoke today and pledged to distribute 100 vaccine shots, 100 million, sorry, in his first 100 days as president. This team will help get at the latest, at the last 100 million COVID-19 vaccine, at least 100 million COVID vaccine shots into the arms of the American people in the first 100 days. 100 million shots in the first 100 days. And here's Dr. Anthony Fauci, who has been named as his chief medical advisor on CNN Today. I believe, as you do, that in the fight against this pandemic, we must lead with science and that a key piece of our ongoing work is communicating consistently with the American people. Whether it's maintaining social distancing and not congregating indoors, or the 100-day challenge you described on masking, or to get as many people vaccinated as possible. These actions are bold, but they are doable and essential to help the public avoid unnecessary risks, to help us save lives, reopen schools and businesses, and to eventually beat the pandemic. That was a little bit of a shot at Trump, if you could hear that. Uh, now, finally, our WTF story of the day has to go to former Representative Michelle Bachman, who is now claiming that Satan stole her vote in last November's elections and is trying to end American democracy in 2020 because, all right, try to follow me here. It's the 400th anniversary of the founding of the Plymouth Colony in 1620. What? I don't even I mean, know. So what? So, the first time where colonizers decided to be colonizers? I have no idea. She was speaking at a conservative rally at the Salem Baptist Church in Dalton, Georgia. And she said, from the political point of view, from the legal point of view, from the moral point of view, America is not on board with Joe Biden as the next president of the U.S. Well, from my point of view, he's won like 60,000 times. Right. Well, she added, we're not that dumb in the U.S. because we know without a shadow of a doubt, this man did not get the votes on election night. It didn't happen. Donald Trump got the votes on election night. So why would we be like drones, chumps and fools to go along with this? Girl, if you don't want to believe it, just say that. Go sit down somewhere. I don't care why people like feel like they everyone's opinion needs to be heard. Like, this is stupid. Like, this is wild. And the fact, what does Satan got to do with it? I know he probably upset. Like, I didn't even do nothing this time. There's, yeah, he's like, leave me alone, you humans. I don't even want you in hell. <laughs> All right, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, let's dive into the T-Report because we talked about this at the top of today's show. So if you're stuck around, good job. Because Olivia Jade, you know, Lori Laughlin's daughter, made her first public comments about her family's involvement in the college admission scandal during a new episode of Red Table Talk on Facebook Watch. But not everyone was thrilled about giving her a platform to share her story. I mean, before Olivia even sat down at the table, uh, Jada Pickett-Smith and her mom, Adrian Benfield Norris, also known as Gammy, and her daughter, Willow Smith, first discussed their personal feelings about having the social media star on the show. A lot of people are going to have a lot of opinions about her story. She called and wanted to come to our table um, and we all had very different feelings about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I fought it to, to the nail. I just found it really ironic that um, she chose three black women mm -hmm. 
to reach out to for her redemption story. I feel like here we are, a white woman coming to black women for support when we don't get the same from them. It's just, it's, it's bothersome to me on so many levels. Her being here is the epitome of white privilege to me. I understand where you're coming from, but let me just be clear. I never want to be the thing that was done to me by white women. I never want to be that. Okay. I also believe that these are the kind of attitudes that feed the same thing that we're fighting. It's like people look at us, they say you're black and you're female, and they automatically put us in a category. Mm-hmm. So Shira, should she have been given this platform to speak out? I'm not surprised. I, I What I like about Table Talk is that they have different points of view. That's what makes it interesting. And I do see both sides. Like I do like how uh, Willow mentioned how there's truths on both sides from the grandmother side and Jada side. I'm a big fan of Jada, as you know, and I, I think this is one of those they couldn't pass up because it's the point of their show to have kind of controversial conversations like this. What about the chick? Who's the one who um, cheated on the Kardashian? I mean, they had her on. They yeah, have a lot of people. But this on is that, why. Um, would, but this is a different that could situation. Be canceled for different. Things. And she wasn't canceled. Black people rallied behind her because of the racism that the Kardashians were uh putting on social media by like bullying her. So no, that's not the same situation, but I see what you were trying to do. I mean, either way, uh, Gammy, AKA Jada's mom, uh, um, her wrath did not stop. In the 30 minute episode, Olivia talks about her privilege, the lessons her family's learned and so much more. Head over to Facebook Watch to watch the full interview. And of course, keep us followed at LGT Show everywhere and uh, wearechannelq.com for more on this story. All I can say, it's good. It's an entertaining interview, that's for sure. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Before we get into our Yes Queen of the Day, a reminder that Channel Q is teaming up with the Los Angeles Unified School District to help families most in need this holiday season. All you have to do is text GIVER to 76278 to donate to the LA Students Most in Need Fund. And let me tell you, no amount is too small. This week, the first 5,000 donations is going to be matched by Aspiration.com. Leave your bank, save the planet. Thanks so much to all of you for your donations. Keep them coming. Okay, let's do and get into our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. I mean, Jason Momoa. He can do no wrong on yeah. so many fronts. I mean, he also can choke me. He could like step on my chest. Okay, this he isn't about do... you, Ryan. All right. This this is about one of his biggest fans, seven-year-old Danny Sheehan, who got one of the best presidents an Aquaman fan can ask for, a life-sized replica of his on-screen trident. Wow. Oh. Okay? So Danny, unfortunately, was diagnosed with pineoblastoma, a rare form of brain cancer in 2017. Mm. He's a huge Aquaman fan. He's from Marshfield, Massachusetts, and actually he had a video that went viral last month of him yelling in just surprise and delight when he was gifted an action figure of his beloved superhero. Uh Well, Momoa saw Danny's video and once learning of his cancer, personally reached out to offer some words of encouragement over FaceTime. Here's a moment for that. Hi, Aquaman. Hi, beautiful boy. Hi. Hi, you're so excited. Oh. So excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I've been hearing about you all over from all my friends, and uh, and I wanted to call you and say hi and and uh, see how you're doing. I'm doing good. So yeah, I mean, Jason Momoa, 
Amazing. I loved watching this. I love that. And I still have to say that Aquaman is the best DC movie out there. He is just, oh, and just also to know that he has a a heart full of gold as well. It just makes it all like, I mean, I don't know, like, I don't know. It just makes it so much much better. better. Yeah, it just is so wonderful. Um, But this is really, really sweet. And I think we're going to continue to see a lot of this happening around the holidays. So I'm I'm excited for it because it gives me feeling good. Exactly. We all need that. And that's why we end our show with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And you can nominate someone or an organization for our Yaz Queen of the Day. It's super easy. Just slide into our DMs at LGT shows where you can find us on social media. Now, coming up on tomorrow's show, experts are saying a COVID-19 vaccine isn't actually enough. So what do we all need to do for this pandemic to end? Mm. Plus, why you instantly dislike certain people, according to science. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for that one. Oh, yeah. We're getting into that tomorrow. Uh, we're here same time for you on Channel Q live weekdays, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and also, remember, we have a podcast. We post all our shows as a podcast. Just go to the radio.com app and where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. It's that easy. Now we are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. And of course, stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. All right. Bye, y'all. Let's go there with Shira Lazar and Ryan Mitchell on Channel Q. On the next show, experts are saying a COVID-19 vaccine isn't enough. So what do Americans really need to do for this pandemic to end? Plus, there's a reason why you instantly dislike certain people. And uh, it's according to science. So it's real. Listen live weekdays, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Channel Q. Or on your own time with the Let's Go There podcast on the radio.com app.